Hello. Yo, he is here. I'm going to let him in. All right. Awesome. Go ahead, put it on real tight. I hope you brought your best tonight. They say they got the fireworks, yeah, they say they got the show. Here around the shoots, you're the best, so let's go. This is Texas Toast. I'm your host, Miss Helen. Kick back and enjoy as we toast the best from Texas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Texas Toast. I'm Miss Helen, and we have a special guest on this week's episode, a very super-duper talented singer-songwriter with a twist on this new project, this new album that he has. I want to say hello and welcome to Dallas Burrow. Hello, Dallas. Hey, Helen. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I have had so much fun getting to know you through your music and prepping for this. And your music is such a gift. I am thoroughly enjoying it. But in doing my research, you come from a deep heritage in music. Your dad was a songwriter, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was I was raised around a lot of good music. And uh, dad's always been a poet and a songwriter. And so that's you know, something that's in my blood. Obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you grew up in New Braunfels and that area yes ma'am yep uh new Braunfels, and you know there again uh, the whole central texas uh area and this whole region is just you know got a, has a really rich and deep history of of great songwriters and and music in general so so you actually it sounds like to me you probably absorbed and took in a lot with the gift and the talent that you have well there, i think there's something in the water around here kind of <laughs> True. That's so true. So you had an album that you released in 2019 called Southern Wind. I actually fell in love with all of those songs as well, but it did have an impact nationally as well as internationally. Yeah, I I mean, it it did pretty well, um, considering it was my first uh, full length solo record and, uh, you know, released independently. Um, It had a really good team behind it. And uh, yeah, you know, it it was on the charts over in Europe and and got to number four on the alt country chart here in the States. And, uh, and so, uh, you never can tell, uh, what something like that's going to do. You know, I was definitely pleased with, with how well it did. Yeah. Yeah. I would encourage everyone to check that out. It's we're going to talk in depthly about the new album, but Southern wind was, it has some really good stuff on that. So as you're cruising through your music career, you end up friends with Charlie Crockett. Y'all mm-hmm. work together a lot. And then Bruce Robinson came into your life. That's right. Yeah. I've, I've known Charlie for several years. Uh, he and I met, actually, we were both, uh, you know, kind of traveling and just both uh, sort of young gypsy kids up in, up uh, north of uh, the Bay um, in North, Northern California and just, you know, hit it off, became friends and, and we, you know, we've written songs together and, and done shows together and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah. And then, uh, so uh, I was up in uh, Colorado, I was doing some shows with Charlie and uh and bruce happens to be charlie's manager so um you know it was one of those deals where you know i, I made the record southern wind in, in nashville and uh was trying to figure out what my next logical step was as far as my next project was concerned and i had you know in, in the back of my mind someplace this this notion that it would be really you know a, a great deal to work with bruce but um but really, you know, I had no, <clears throat> I hadn't met him before. And so I didn't know if there was any, any way to, to be able to pull that off, but it was definitely in my, in my mind. And then, 
just just the way it happened to be charlie introduced me to bruce up in steamboat colorado um uh during the steamboat music fest a couple of years ago and so all the pieces just kind of fell together so it was you know it worked out really well well and you have a unique project you didn't just release a self-titled album but we'll get to the whole logistics of it and the production of it but you've got 14 songs on it Mm -hmm. um i'm sure you wrote all of those or co-wrote mm-hmm yeah, uh, wrote them all. The only co-write on the record is the last track on the album, and it's called Outlaw Highway. And it was a poem that my dad had written uh, that I, I, you know, turned into a song. I said it's music, and uh, and it, you know, just just uh, eked its way onto the onto the record. Dad kind of, you know, he's always um, encouraging me to to, to write, of course, but also to, you know, he's got a, a bunch of stuff that, um, that's really good that, you know, he'd like to, to have see the light of day. So he kind of, he brought, brought me that poem, uh, one afternoon when we were in the middle of making the album and, uh, it didn't take me long to figure out how to turn it into a song that I liked a lot. And, uh, and I'm really, you know, proud that I, I could in- include something that I, uh, you know, uh, worked on with my dad on the, on yeah. the record for sure. That's awesome. So let's talk about when you went to the bunker in Lockhart and uh, Bruce Robinson's producing you. And let's talk about the equipment that was used. It was a two inch analog tape throwback. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's like, it really is like going back in time. I've said it before, but it's true. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's like a time capsule out there. Um, all the equipment that's used is vintage and, um, and recording the tape is, is a really unique process. I mean, um, especially, um, you know, in this day and age, uh, so much of what you hear, uh, coming out, uh, has been recorded digitally, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of advantages to, uh, to technology as far as, um, you know, what you can do with computers, uh, and so forth. But, but so to record to two inch analog tape and a true old fashioned kind of way, um, it, it just, it, it makes you approach the record, the whole recording process differently. And, uh, and so, you know, you get all the musicians in one room and you've got to sit there. And whereas in, in a digital recording, you can, you can record one instrument at a time, you know, really effectively. And then you can, you know, go back and, and fix little things. Um, with the analog uh, process, the best way to go about it is if you can get it all in one foul swoop, the first time and not have to mess with it after that. And so that's what you're, what you're shooting for. And so you get all the musicians together and you, you really work on the arrangement and work on the the vibe and the feel of the song, get the groove right. And, you know, decide, you know, every little nuance of how you're going to sing it and all those different details you want to, you want to get it all sorted out. And, uh, and working with Bruce on that stuff was, you know, um, just so cool because he's such a masterful songwriter. And so when he, you know, heard something that he didn't think was quite right or wasn't quite there, he'd come in like, you know, kind of like a father figure and just stop everything and sit down right in the middle of all of us and just go, okay, this isn't right. What are we going to do? You know, and and start just working it out. And so, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. And, uh, and, um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really pleased with the way it all turned out. Yes, it's definitely a masterpiece. And to think that, you know, you're so young and to do something so throwback like that. But to me, listening to your music, it's like you just have this old soul. Hmm. Well, um, I think a lot of that, you know, my parents are older. And so the music I grew up with is 
was you know the old classic uh whether it was songwriter stuff or you know you know more soul and rock and roll and, and whatever whatever i was listening to with my folks or even old country it was always kind of you know um the old stuff the good stuff and i think being raised by parents who are a little older you sort of develop a a kind of um a sort of maturity that maybe uh, other kids don't don't get so um I don't know, but, but in any case, I, you know, I do like, um, kind of old fashioned storytelling and, and, um, and, and sort of vintage sounds and the classic approach to, to songwriting and, and recording, I think, uh, is, is all, all good stuff. So. And it reflects in, in your music. So tell me about how many musicians you had in the studio and, and some of those that, I mean, the instrumentation, the instruments that you had, I, I hear various ones, some mm-hmm. not so typical, but that's what makes it so unique. So tell me about the musicians. Yeah. Um, so the the core of the band that plays on it is Sterling Finley on the bass, playing up mostly upright bass. He plays some electric bass, too, and sings a lot of the harmonies. And he's he's my regular bass player in my my touring and traveling band that I play out with. And uh, Sterling is uh, comes from a pedigree of music. His dad, Kent Finley, is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. He started uh, Cheatham Street Warehouse and, and the Songwriter Circle there in San Marcos. Um, and, you know, so Sterling grew up around, you know, uh, just, I mean, can't help George Strait and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Towns Van Zandt and Todd Snyder and countless others get their start. And so that was all a part of the culture of the way Sterling grew up. So to have him in my band and on my record and his involvement just in, in my music in general is, is a, you know, a real pleasure for me. Um, then on the drums, we had Josh blue, uh, Josh, I'd never met, uh, prior to the recording. Uh, he's actually Bruce's regular drummer. So Bruce uh, kind of brought Josh to the table and, uh, but you know, I love Josh's style. He's a young guy, but he's, you know, what they refer to as like a first call guy in Austin. In other words, like when somebody comes to town and needs a drummer, he's one of the first guys that they call. So, so he was a, uh, you know, vital to the, to the feel of the album. And as far as the rest of the instrument uh, instrumentation and, and the players, uh, Larry Chaney, who has produced several projects for me over the years and is a, you know, old veteran session player from Nashville. Um, and, and just a good friend of mine uh, plays a lot of the guitars on the record. Then we have uh, another friend of mine named Chad Pope. He's a, He's a Fort Worth guy, but he's been in Austin and Memphis and Nashville uh, over the years and uh, has a real kind of bluesy feel, plays some slide guitar. And he actually, co- I, I take it back. There's another co-write on the record. Uh, Chad and I co-wrote uh, Born Down in Texas, which has this really cool. That's bluesy. Yes. Yeah, yes. Sure. I love that one. Mm-hmm. So, so Chad definitely uh, helped me kind of take that to uh, the deep end of the blues pool. And, uh, and plays a slide guitar on that and also, too, on uh, the song American Dream. Um, my other friend, a good friend of mine, Cullen Fox, who plays in Charlie Crockett's band full-time, he uh, he plays all kinds of stuff, like, you know, the kitchen sink, I mean, everything. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but literally, he plays, you know, piano, B3 Hammond organ. He plays the Fender Rhodes, which is kind of an old vintage uh, piano sound that you don't hear very often, but he's playing that on a song called My Father's Son. Mm-hmm. Um, he also plays some banjo on a tune called my old friend, the Shadow." No. Uh, yeah. My old friend, the shadow, he's playing banjo. He's singing harmonies. He plays accordion. I mean, wow. yeah, all kinds of stuff and a trumpet. 
yeah. Uh, I heard that. Yes, you could. Yes, yeah. yes. So he, he he's probably got the most instruments played on the album. Colin Fox does, and uh, and like he he came very close to getting his doctorate in the trumpet. I think so. I mean, he's like a real like musical genius kind of guy. Oh wow! And, and when you see him playing Charlie's band, like he plays, he'll be playing the trumpet and the piano at the same time. You know, it's it's wild. Uh, so having him on there was was real cool. Um, also another another uh, you know great musician and just a great friend, a guy named uh, and, and kind of a legend in my mind, a guy named Brian Duckworth who played fiddle for Robert O'Keefe for years. Uh, plays some fiddle for us on um, on the song Holy Grail. And it was it was a really cool uh, just moment for me getting Brian out to the studio. Um, Brian's been a guy. He has a fiddle shop here in New Braunfels. And so over the years, I've spent a lot of time going to just, you know, show up on his lunch break when he's not working on his fiddles and, and get him to kind of, you know, listen to some of my songs. And, uh, and you know, has been sort of a mentor over the years, just as far as, you know, encouraging me to pursue songwriting in general. So to get him out there and he knew Bruce uh, from back when. And so Bruce actually plays acoustic guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar solo on that song. And so I've got Bruce and Brian trading a guitar solo and a fiddle solo. And I mean, you know, for for a young songwriter from Texas, a moment like that, to have that preserved for posterity, uh, I can't overstate the significance for me. Um, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And um, trying to, th- I don't want to leave anybody else out. Who else do we get on there? Um, if that's, that may be, a, oh, oh, uh, Daniel Johnson, who uh, played for Hank Three, who's, you know, Hank Williams III for years. Dan, uh, really talented. He's playing uh, pedal steel on outlaw highway and he's playing some dobro on a song called street hustlers blues and then uh there's another steel player named cody angel who's you know a prodigy um was uh was playing in, in different bands around texas uh you know prominent acts like jason Bolin and different guys and then um he recently moved to nashville and picked up a gig with josh turner so he's like you know really on the road um and uh but so i think that's everybody but stellar group of musicians to work with yes you know and uh and you know really proud to have had all those guys involved oh i mean honestly one more sorry Sorry, one more (laughs) one more (laughs) Uh, and a a friend of mine named chris cues who oftentimes is in my in in my traveling band um who's been you know been on on the road with me some chris cues young guy really talented guy and he plays some guitars on there too i think that's everybody so Okay, now let's dig into the music because I'm going to tell you for everyone listening, when you go check this album out, if you haven't already, it's just so smooth. And that's why I wanted to talk about the musicians because it's just absolutely masterpiece. So I actually, I mean, I, I had to pick some songs to talk about. I'd like to talk about every single one of them, but I know we don't have all that time. I really liked River Road, my kind of song, American Dream, Country Girl, Born Down in Texas. I just love the whole twist at the end with the Memphis Mama on that one. So tell me about writing uh, Born Down in Texas. Okay, Born Down in Texas. So, you know, it's funny. Um, It's one one of those songs where the story uh it's part partly taken from my own life and from my own experiences and partly kind of uh references some other friends of mine and their experiences like i mentioned chad um had been up in memphis for a while and then we had also played a show with dale watson who at that time was back and forth from memphis to texas and and so um that whole just kind of you know the mystique of 
of the blues in general and, and, and the places that I feel like are, are a home for the blues, which includes Texas. And we have a lot of, you know, the great old bluesmen are from here, but also from new Orleans, from Memphis. So it kind of, kind of became this roadmap of, of, you know, the, the spirit of the blues and where you're going to find it. Well, I was born down in Texas. That's where they buried me. Well, I was born down in Texas. That's where they buried me. I got me a woman up in Memphis, Tennessee. spent time in new orleans years back with a legendary blues piano player i got to meet down there who they call dr john mac rabinac and so uh and so you know who was kind of uh involved in in voodoo and stuff like that yeah it was okay i was going to ask you about that was that mm-hmm. the is that does that have to do with the cherokee medicine man yeah whole story thing yeah. i ran across yeah. that i yeah. ran across that tell me about that i just that fascinates yeah. me for sure. Um, so yeah, when I was about 19 years old or so, I had uh, gone with a friend out to go camping, and and it turned out we were where we were camping was at Kinky Friedman's Ranch out in Medina. <laughs> and at the time, you know, young guy, I was uh, you know back then I, I wasn't really fully aware of who Kinky was. Okay, but you know, he was running for governor at the time for one thing. Um, but I mean, you know. He's a great author and musician. I love his uh, last record he put out. Um, so, I've, you know, I, since then, I've gotten to really, you know, appreciate the legend and the legacy of who Kinky was. But at the time, you know, like I said, I was, you know, we're going camping. Well, so we get out to Kinky's place. He's not there, but uh, there's somebody out there uh, kind of caretaking the place. And talk about a character. This guy's called the Reverend Goat. And the goat and Kinky had been on the road with Bob Dylan on the Rolling Thunder Review back in 76. And uh, the goat is just this kind of like really fascinating, uh, kind of little frail old dude, but uh, um, but a really colorful character and, and a beautiful soul. And uh, and he had been um, living and embodying the whole uh, the life of a, uh, a Cherokee medicine man. Um uh, you know, he was, he was a street preacher and he taught college classes and, and just, he'd written scripts with Dennis Hopper. But I mean, like the stories about that, the goat had just go on and on and on. Wow. Wild. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, and I've got, uh, we, we, we're pretty sure we have a little bit of native from my dad's side. And so, you know, the goat kind of, um, instantly, you know, took a shine to me and, and, uh, and I played him a few songs and, 
And the first, uh, you know, one of the first days I met him out there, I was playing my guitar for him and he kind of, he, he got this old, uh, it was a buzzard wing and he kind of danced around while I was singing and, and like blessed me with his buzzard wing, blessed me and blessed my guitar. And, uh, and it was just this whole, you know, this whole kind of like ceremony, this beautiful thing. And, uh, anyway, we became friends and like I said, he, uh, he'd been evacuated from new Orleans after Katrina. So at some point he asked me if I would, uh, move him back to new Orleans and uh and so i did and then i you know got to go down there and and uh and meet you know just like i said dr john and other native medicine men that you know um that live around uh the city of new orleans and so you know i i really got kind of um a crash course in native spirituality and in voodoo and all these different things that you know for for a kid from a small town in texas was all you know pretty eye-opening stuff but so the reference in, in the lyrics to, you know, uh, I've been down, uh, not down to, uh, Louisiana chasing that voodoo thing. And at the end, you know, at the end of that line, I'm like, take me back to Texas so I can hear the angels sing. It's like, I, at a certain point, it all kind of got to be a little wild for me. And, and I was, you know, really ready to come, come back home and find God and find, you know, get back to my roots. So. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with me because I was, my curiosity was so up. I was so with the whole <laughs> Cherokee medicine man thing. Yeah. Let's talk about another one of the singles. It's really a touching song, the, uh, the father's song. Yeah, my father's son. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the major overarching themes of the record is, is, you know, about finding God and, and me starting a family and, and, uh, and it, you know, touching on, I've been sober now for almost three years in January, which, you know, happened as a result of, of having a kid and then finding God. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the natural progression of things, um, that, uh, that happened to me. And so, you know, a lot of those things worked their way either subtly or, or, you know, in a more pronounced way into the songs and into the stories. But, but so my father's son, um, you know, it was really a way for me to try to kind of pay homage to my family line, um, you know, uh, starting with my grandfather, uh, who I never got to meet. But it's one of those things. I mean, when I was born, my dad, you know, was uh, had, you know, was drinking a lot and stuff like that. And so because his father, my grandfather, had been a war hero and all this other stuff, but because of that had kind of been absent from his life. He made, um, you know, the the drastic decision to get sober and to, to you know, really um, to be there for me when otherwise he might have might have left town and, you know, whatever uh, else he, you know, w- would have probably just kept on rambling right down down the line like he had been on for years before that. And then, of course, when my son was born, I, I was kind of at the same crossroads where, I, you know, I've been living the kind of rock and roll musician uh, traveling lifestyle and partying and all that stuff. And and I really had to, you know, um, look at, you know, look at my own life and examine what I was going to do, uh, you know, about the opportunity to be a father. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's just this whole kind of like dichotomy of, and, and, and too, by the way, my son, I named after my grandfather, because even though I'd never met him, even though he wasn't really there for my dad, I've, I've, I've always felt like we had something to be proud of, in the fact that, um, that, you know, uh, my granddad fought in world war two and was, you know, was a re- real American hero in my eyes. Um, and his name, 
by the way, was William Washington Burrow Jr. He was born on the 4th of July. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was a master sergeant in the Army Air Corps. He survived D-Day and, uh, and, you know, made it through the war uh, unscathed. And then my dad was, uh, you know, was a hippie and grew up, you know, in the 60s and 70s and, um, and you know, was, was a hitchhiker and a rambler and, and hung out with guys like Towns Van Zandt. And, uh, and, you know, he was a roadie and, and just has all these crazy wild stories of, you know, about back in the day that I heard growing up. And then, you know, of course, when I came along, like I said, he got sober and, and, and then he actually started running triathlons and became a school teacher and got his act together enough to be a dad. And then, you know, um, and, and, the, and the last bit there about, about my dad is that Dallas was his alias at one point when he was on the run from the law. Okay. Really? Right. So I inherited that name and I inherited that kind of wild spirit. And I, I was wondering, I was going to ask you about your, your first name, if there was any significance there. Thank that's, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a wild story, but, uh, so, yeah. So then, you know, um, like I said, I, you know, traveled and had wild adventures of my own for years and, and partied and all that stuff. And then when my son came along, it was, you know, uh, I, it was just kind of this, this coming to Jesus moment sort of thing where I, I realized, you know, it's like my dad was there for me and I'm going to be there for my son, but I'm not going to overlook the legacy of my grandfather, just because he may not have been there for my dad. He was, he was there for our country when, when our country needed him. And so, um, I wanted to make sure that my son would, uh, you know, be aware of, of the legacy. And so I named him after my grandfather. And so my son's name is William Washington Burrow the third, but we call him Tex. Okay. But so that the song, my father's son starts with my granddad and, and goes down through the story of my dad and then my story. And then it ends with, you know, my son. And, uh, and so it's, you know, it, it's, it's definitely one of the most personal and, uh, and, you know, kind of autobiographical songs I've ever written. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. My grandfather fought in World War II. Back in those days, this is what a man had to do. Left my grandmother with five kids to raise With mouths to feed and bills to pay And my grandmother did the best that she could My dad and them, they turned out pretty good You got to be strong It was so touching for me because I, too, had a grandfather that served in World War II. He got pulled out of a little bitty town close to Sealy, Texas, called San Felipe. Sealy's my hometown. Wow, okay. And um, 
got shipped to San Diego and got thrown as a, he was a Marine and he was in Japan and got thrown on those islands. And for so long growing up, I didn't get to hear a lot of stories. I was very close to my grandfather. As a matter of fact, he's the one that taught me how to fish and fishing is my passion. And so that was really touching. And then it's just like, and I like the part about, I just made a note about passing down the name and how important that is and the heritage, which takes Mm -hmm. me to another song that I really like because I'm a small town girl Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed independence day mm-hmm. cool that's awesome um uh, you know independence day for me um is it's it's very autobiographical too or is you know i was really trying to capture um the essence of the feeling of, of you know growing up in a small town um and and two it was you know during the last year or two when you know a lot of our um you know normal activities and celebrations were all called off right um just because of the health scare. So, um, so I kind of wrote it to try to like, um, like, you know, um, celebrate those things that we were missing out on at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's talking about the County fair and the Ferris wheel, which, so we just, we actually just had the County fair pass through town and, and, you know, the line is, uh, you know, heading down to the old County fair. Hope I might see you there talking about kissing uh, or stealing a kiss on the Ferris wheel. So, I just a couple weeks back got to take my my girl and our son on the Ferris wheel and steal that kiss and do that whole thing. Oh, so, I love yeah. it! <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, really, really. I'll think of that every time I listen to that song. Heading down to the old county fair. Hope I might see you there. You got a kiss that I wanna steal. Hiding at the top of the Ferris wheel. That old time feeling deep inside when you're riding me past the county lines. Shotgun in my Chevrolet is like every day is Independence Day. So you've got some good stuff here, and I know that you're doing a lot of shows. I was looking at your schedule. So, mm-hmm. what's your live shows like? Yeah, uh, I'm playing as much as I can, you know, and uh, and and working toward uh, getting out on the road more in the next year or two, hopefully. Um, but uh, you know, I'm either oftentimes I play solo. It, it depends on the venue. Um, mm-hmm. I really I really enjoy just the, the solo kind of troubadour singer songwriter thing. I, I get to tell stories and and connect, I can see that mm-hmm. you know con- connect with the crowd because I mean that's when you really uh, study songwriters like I have um, so much a part of what what, uh, you know, a great performer and a great songwriter does is, is tell stories. It's not all, it's not just about the music. It's about, you know, really like, uh, giving people a window in, into that world that song came from. And then when you get to, you know, perform the song for them, it really connects on this whole other level that it really takes it home. Um, yeah. Yes. But then I have, I have a full band too. And so, you know, and, and which I love, it's a whole, it's a whole other thing. When you have a great band around you, it's like, it's like driving a Cadillac or something or, you know, it's, 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 it's such a treat to get to play with great musicians that share that artistic vision for bringing your songs to life. So, yeah, so we're playing as much as we can and, and, you know, loving every minute of it. Well, and then one other thing outside of all of this stuff that you're doing, you have the Redbird listening room. Yes, ma'am. You are busy. Yes, ma'am. So the Redbird is, uh, I mean, you know, it's right there in the name. It's a listening room. And uh, and it mm-hmm. was inspired by places like uh, the Old Quarter in Galveston uh, by 
Kent Finley's songwriter circle with Shooting Street Warehouse, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other famous ones. Obviously, the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville is a great example. And uh, when uh, basically in the past few years, uh, you know, my, my family bought this piece of property and it had this old house on it. And at some point, my mom, uh, who's really, you know, I have to say the visionary behind the whole, uh, you know, the Redbird really coming to life. Um, she kind of brought me over into the backyard of this place. We have a really nice backyard out here. And, uh, and we were looking at, at the back of the building, which at the time, you know, it had been boarded up for years and was just kind of a wreck. And she just kind of looked at it and, and asked me to look at it with her. And, and um, you know, could I see any potential in, in, ha- in turning this place into a music venue? And honestly, at the time, it seemed so far-fetched to me to be able to salvage this place. But I have to tell you, through my mom's vision and a lot of hard work by, uh, you know, my family and friends and myself and, and some, you know, some really skilled uh, carpenters and stuff that we brought in, this place has transformed into the most beautiful little room. Um, it's all old beadboard and um, shiplap and longleaf pine floors. It's all reclaimed materials out of out of old, old houses that have been torn down around. You know, uh, uh, actually, a lot of it came from in the Smithville area out um, near Bastrop. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just came together so cool. We have some some old church pews in the back of the room. We have some old theater seats out of you know vin- uh, like vintage theater seats. And uh-huh. then, uh-huh. And some liar back chairs. And so it's, it's an, you know, kind of eclectic mix of seating. And, uh, it's, yeah, we seat about 60, we sell 50 or 60 tickets, depending on the show. And we've had just some of the most extraordinary songwriters come and just, I mean, just a few days ago, we had Susan Gibson, uh, who wrote the song wide open spaces that, uh, the Dixie chicks made famous. Um, who's, you know, kind of definitely a hero amongst songwriters, especially around here. Um, and she was trading songs with a couple of other guys who I consider to be, um, you know, masters of the songwriting craft, uh, a guy named Al Barlow and a guy, another guy named Mark Youngers, which is one example of, of some great shows we've had. We've also had Dale Watson. We're going to have uh, the Reverend Horton Heat coming next year. Um, we've had, you know, some of the other great songwriters like Jason Eady and uh, Shake Russell, who will be here this this Sunday with Michael Hearn. Uh Michael Hearn's uncle, um, Bill Hearn will be here at the end of the month. Um, Jamie Lynn Wilson's coming. We've had Courtney Patton, Adam Hood, um, you know, and we're, we're working on getting some other, other, you know, great songwriters in here. But, but so it's, it's just been, it's been amazing to me. Like I said, I was skeptical in the first place, but I've just been blown away. I mean, we've had just incredible show after incredible show and the space is, is really beautiful. And so if, if anybody's ever around New Braunfels, Texas, and uh, in the mood to get up close and personal to see. I want to go. I would yeah. love to. I'm putting it on my list. Absolutely. Love that story. And the great thing is y'all put so much love and heart and passion and your soul into it. So that's yeah. just yes, good stuff. Well, it has been a pleasure visiting with you. And where is the best place for uh, people to find your music? Where do you want to? Yeah. So, um, you know, the first best place to go to is just my website, which is uh, dallasboro.com. Dallas, like the city, borough, B-U-R-R-O-W.com. And you can find my tour schedule there and that'll direct you to, uh, you know, where places you can buy the, the, the CD or the, the vinyl we've got coming here soon. And, and also to, to Spotify and Apple music, all the mm-hmm. places you can download. Yes. It's, it's a great project. It's great music. Self-titled album came out, what, in July? Yep. 
if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I, I'm telling you, it's a must for everybody to listen to and to download and to have in their library. Plus I enjoyed Southern wind also. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I'm really proud of that record still too. Um, and I'm, and I appreciate you digging in and, and listening to that music. Oh, I'll continue to listen. So thank you so much for joining us, Dallas. Oh, it's been an honor. Thank you for giving me the chance to, uh, to talk to you about the record and about the Redbird. It's, it's been a pleasure. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Texas Toast. If you've made it this far, just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been listening and spreading the word about us. If you'd like to support the show, whether it be through sponsorship or by subscribing on YouTube or by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Anything and everything helps. We're just getting this thing rolling with no end in sight and have some incredible interviews lined up for all of you. So please help us get the word out. We'll see you next time on Texas Toast. I dare to say well, You can go to hell Hell, I'll go to Texas I've had my fill of every place but home Well, take away these city lights Put me on a one-way flight I'm leaving out of here tonight Just consider me my southern draw my swagger on my sway yeah these old boots all this cowboy hat on